Welcome to the Radical Departures podcast, your source for startup storytelling. We're your hosts, Abby and Chris. You'll hear informative discussions full of valuable expertise and actionable insight on the issues you face when launching and growing your startup. This is episode 15 of the Radical Departures podcast. Our guest today is Eva Paris, the former Deputy Chief Marketing Officer at Once Dating. Once is a slow dating app which uses both algorithms as well as dedicated matchmakers to connect users with one hand-picked match each day, highlighting quality over quantity. Once was started by French expats living in London who have since moved the company back to Paris. In this episode, Eva discusses the gamification of dating, why the founders chose to move the company to Paris, what differentiates Once from other dating apps, and much more. Just a little FYI, since we recorded this episode, Eva has left the team at Once to take on another exciting marketing opportunity. So without further ado, here's episode 15 with Eva Paris. So we're here today with Eva Paris. Eva, welcome. Thank you. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell us about who you work for? So I'm Eva. Um, I am a deputy CMO for uh, Once Dating, which is a dating app. Number one slow dating app in Europe, actually. Slow dating? Yes. So what does that mean? So slow dating is the idea of taking the time to find the right person. So you've seen fast food. Uh, there's now, you know, slow food. So it's the idea of saying that we're in a fast-paced environment, and it also is a fast-paced environment for dating. And we want to kind of reintroduce the idea of, you know, slowing down and also meeting people that are more meaningful to you rather than just, you know, swiping and not really meeting people that are looking for the same things. Okay. And what led you to Once? How did you get to work for them? So I've met the founder of Once in uh, July 2015. He barely just created his company. At the time, they have already did a soft launch in the US and they were interested in moving the company to London to kind of start from scratch over there and really introduce the slow dating concept mm -hmm. to Europe because it was non-existent before. Just a little bit maybe about the founders. So the company has been created by three people. So Jean Meillard, who's the CEO of the company, Guillaume Duché, who is lead Android and, and CPO, as uh, Guillaume Sampé, who's the CTO of the company. They don't sound like traditional British names. <laughs> they're not, they're French, all of them. They're French, they're from the south in Toulouse. I mean, they, they all have a connection with Toulouse. But basically the idea comes from Jean, who at the time was working for a dating site. I mean, he created a dating site in the US called Date My School. At the time, he like it was at the time when Tinder really became huge and he really saw an opportunity to go on mobile and that he realized that dating sites were not the future anymore and that if you wanted to continue in the dating industry, you needed to go mobile. So at the time, Date My School had investors that also had invested in a dating app in South Korea called IOM. He flew to uh, South Korea to meet these guys and he really fell in love with the concept. So the concept is really similar to once. The idea was to like one match a day, you know, very qualitative matches and uh, in a very intimate environment because obviously Asian people need that. They're more shy in their relationships and they are more interested in and prefer apps where it's a bit more private. He really fell in love with the concept and he thought, I really want to create something like that. So he decided to come back to Paris 
and he started searching for his two co-founders. And after that, they created a hacker house in Fougères, which is like a little town in Brittany, and they uh, coded the apps. And just when they finished the product, I met those guys, and I really loved the concept, and I thought it's a really, really cool project, and I want to be part of it. We wanted to tackle those problems, right? And the three problems that we really seen at the time was the first that it's inefficient, like people spend a lot of time on the app and it's just they're not finding who they're looking for and it's time consuming because of all those hours spent trying to like uh, browse through tons of profiles and it's also a little bit embarrassing because if you think about it like in a lot of different dating apps you everyone around you can see you and we wanted to tackle those three problems that kind of like uh, put away people from signing in and uh, by creating a, a product that is a little bit more intimate with a oh, one, let's say, per day, where not, not everyone is seeing you and where you're kind of like focusing your attention on that person rather than thousands of profiles. There's an app, a dating app, I don't know what it's called, but that lets you know like who else is on it in close proximity to you. Mm -hmm. So like people you run into every day, like, oh my God, what if you don't want to meet one of those people, but they see you and you see them and, you know... I think it's a little bit creepy yeah. and, uh, and uh, <laughs> the concept is great and I think so many people want to, you know, get that second chance to meet someone that they, they cross path in the street, but it can be a bit creepy. Yeah, definitely. So you guys, it's a French team. You guys launched your business in the UK. So yeah, so at the time when they were looking to find the place to set the company, it was either Paris, London or Berlin. At the time, which was two years and a half ago, three years ago, London was definitely the best place to set the business. At the beginning, we were only French people, but the idea is that we wanted to expand and we wanted to have more international people joining the team. And we thought that London was the best option for that, especially that because of the pound, the salaries are also more attractive. And we thought that it was the, just the best place at the time as well for startups to set and to find the right talents for the company. So this is why we, we moved to London. So, I mean, especially, I guess, for, since Brexit, like things have started changing. As a foreigner, I, I started feeling like I was not welcomed anymore. And last summer, we took the decision to move the company to Paris. So part of the company is already in Paris. I'm part of these guys. Like we moved in September and uh, we're going to have all the rest of the team joining in the next couple of months. The decision came up pretty soon after the election of Macron and uh, we just found that it was a great signal to for startups and entrepreneurs to kind of come back and set their business here. We are uh, since then really happy about our choice. Like it has been really, really easy for us to kind of recruit uh, these international talents and like there's no difference that I see from like London, let's say. It is really like the startup scene here in Paris is great. It's changed a lot in a short period of time. It's really changed a lot. Now, how many people are you total? In, in total, company? we're around 30 people and we're continuing recruiting and, and growing. Okay. And what types of roles are you looking to add? So uh, we are looking for CRM managers, finance managers, also in the, on the tech side, looking for back-end people, machine learning uh, people too. It's a, a bit of everything, I guess. It's, it's just to kind of like uh, continue expanding. We need more people in the teams. So how does it work? How do you make the matches? We have matchmakers. All the matches have been done by matchmakers. We have a part of algorithm that pre-selects based on the information that you're giving on the profile. 
And then we have the second part, which is once the algorithm has pre-selected all those people that might be compatible based on the information that both of you have given on the app, there is a matchmaker. And the matchmaker is basing on his decisions only on his gut feeling. We're not sharing names, for example. We want to keep the privacy of our users, but we're going to put pictures and we teach those matchmakers to really look at the little details in the pictures that are going to say, okay, well, these guys look good together because they both like doing sports. They seem to be outgoing. It's really subjective, but if you think about it, sometimes you go on the streets and you see couples and you're like, well, you know what? They look great together. And you don't know why. You just know that they look good together. And I think that that's what we're trying to do is to give some something of a human touch on the matching of ones. So I don't know how you measure success, if it's in marriages or uh, whatever, but what kind of stats do you guys have? So for us, a successful match would be people that talk together. We're trying to get like 30% of people per day getting to talk together, I think. And we're measuring success like individually. We're looking at what they have done and, and we have a head of matchmaker who is doing this and who's kind of like managing these matchmakers. And do you get feedback from people saying like, you know, thank, I met my soulmate, thanks to you, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we get thousands of emails and we have some really nice love stories on the website as well that we're sharing. But it's really difficult that to get, you know, like real feedback sometimes because not everyone wants to say that they met their partner on a dating app. But it's becoming more and more, you know, accepted and we have more and more people and we had already a couple of weddings. Wow. We receive a lot of invitations to weddings, actually. It's really funny. That's cool. Yeah. Did you see a difference between London and Paris in how socially acceptable it is to be on a dating site to talk about how you met your partner? Both France and the UK is acceptable. I think UK probably a little bit more because they're a bit more turned towards the US where Mm -hmm. it's completely standard. I found that uh, maybe English people are a little bit more pragmatic on the way they're using a dating app versus French people that's still a little bit more romantic. They're still, you know, expecting to meet someone. I would say that in France, people are a little bit more hopeful. In the UK, they're a little bit more practical about having dates that work and not spending too much time on people that are not interesting. In France, it's still a little bit more, oh, I don't know why I'm here, but, you know, they still have the hopes to find someone. One issue that I'd love to hear more about is, again, you guys come in, you're a small company, you're entering a market that's got some enormous players, very successful, different model, but still, how in the world do you crack into a market like that? What do you do to get started and how do you build that out? Because that that has to, and that that falls a lot on you. That's uh, since you're marketing, that's a tough job. It is really difficult, especially that the dating industry is extremely saturated. However, some markets are a little bit more saturated than others. UK, US is extremely saturated. I think it's very, very difficult to enter the market without a really, really different concept or different product than the ones already existing on the market. France is a little bit less saturated, so it's easier to kind of like get a voice out of all those people actually advertising dating apps. I think the number one thing when you want to enter such a saturated industry is to have a concept that is new. And so many people are launching new dating apps that are just a Tinder with a twist, that they can't possibly be sustainable. It's just not possible because there's already a Tinder, there's already a Happen, there's already a Bumble. And I think that unless you have a lot of money to put on the table and a really, really differentiating concept, it's really difficult to enter 
such markets. And so how do you, what do you do? Where do you even start? I mean, what are there specific marketing ideas that help separate you from the pack? I mean, where do you start? Yeah, I mean, it's something that we still are trying to figure out on how to, you know, maintain our voice within all these people. And right. um, But I think, again, and marketing is extremely important, but I think there's two main factors. Uh, the product is extremely important. If you don't have a concept to sell, nobody's going to talk about you. And the second thing is to have people talk about you. So you need to have the journalists talk about you. You need to have a brand, an identity. And if you, because, I mean, there's tons of dating apps. If you want a dating app, you can download any dating app. People are not going to use once because it's a dating app, but because it's once and because of its concept. And for us, we've introduced for the first time in Europe, the slow dating, which was not existing before. We arrive at a point where Tinder was already uh, pretty standard. People were using it and were feeling comfortable with it but they were starting feeling a little bit tired of it. And they were feeling like, well, you know, all this gamification around dating people, it's getting really, well, I'm getting bored of it or I'm getting tired of it. And I want to meet someone that's a little bit more interesting. But and maybe certain personalities gravitate more towards one model versus another. Exactly, exactly. And we just arrived at that moment saying, okay, you know what, we are the anti-tender. And with once you're going to really take the time to meet someone that is you know, more meaningful to you. And you're not going to waste your time because there's also a time-consuming situation around using a dating app. And you're receiving every day a notification to see your match of the day, to see instantly at the same time as the other person, their match and their profiles. And I think that is what has made us being where we are at now, because unless we had this really, really different concept, we had our matchmakers as well that made the product a little bit more human. And I think that within all this crowded market, and I guess a little bit like people were a little bit disgusted out of it as well, uh, of the fact that people were objects in mm -hmm. the end on an app like Tinder. But they were kind of hopeful that there was a concept that would allow them to be a little bit more human and a little bit more, you know, things would be a little bit more meaningful in general. Yeah, it's slow dating, but it's not too slow like Match.com or something like that, which is, you guys are smart dating too, right? Yes, exactly. It's about qualitative dating, about not meeting thousands of profiles because you can't have your attention on thousands of profiles. So we want people to have undivided attention. In the end, if you look at other products people are not happy because in the end they, they people are just spending 15 seconds not even like two seconds on their profile they're not giving them the chance to know whatever they're nice if you meet someone in a bar you might not might be mind blown by his physique but uh, maybe he's really charming and i think that uh, that's why we want to introduce on the products some that people are kind of look at their description you know give it a chance to what's happening what's a typical profile look like of your users once is not an app for students, so our users are mainly around 30, across countries, is between 28 and 30. We have more women than men on an app, and this is also the positioning we wanted, is to say that we are really uh, female-friendly, and the whole uh, non-embarrassing product also helped, because people can see only the profile they're having every day. And they're not going to have to have their profile seen by everyone else. Like what you said about, you know, people seeing you in the streets and stuff like that. You don't have that at once. It's only the person that you match with. So it's something that makes women feel safer and uh, more comfortable as well. Because there's a huge stigma around being single when you're 30. 
And we want to say, you know what, it's okay to be single, but you don't have to expose yourself on an app where thousands of people around you can see you. Yeah, and get creepy messages from people. And uh, yeah. Exactly. I mean, I remember I've tried to log in on a dating app. I don't remember the name, but I didn't even put a picture on the app that I already had like 30 messages. And I don't understand like how these people can really be interested in me if they don't even know how I look like or my description or there's no elements to kind of say, oh, this girl might be interesting. And that's what we want to do is to kind of make people be more interested in and taking a little bit more time to figure out whether they're interested or not. Yeah. And adding the humanity back in, like you said. Where do you guys, you're moving your company back here to France from a, say, from a product perspective, do you see any evolution? Are there things that you're looking at for the future or how do you grow the company out in the future? So we are preparing at the moment a huge, huge feature that I can't talk about yet, but uh, it's going to make the product more centered on real life. We realize that there's huge problems in the industry. I mean, not really problems, but more challenges. We want to continue tackling those uh, challenges one by one. So before it was the gamification of the dating industry, and now it's going to be more about making people, you know, be uh, happy and really, you know, feel happy to go and go on a date. That's why we want to center things around real life. But it's we're preparing a feature that is going to come out in February. So, yeah, can't say more about okay. it, but stay tuned. <laughs> uh, are you guys growing? Are you building your business out? Are you growing it organically? Are you raising money? Have you raised money in the past? Yes, we've been very lucky. We've raised a seed round of three millions and a Series A of five millions from our own investors, actually. So they wanted really to support our growth and they were pretty happy with what we delivered so far and did uh, raise the money. And we're doing a lot of marketing as well, because at the beginning you need that marketing. But now we are more in a perspective of, of building a brand and building awareness which we haven't really focused yet, even though we now have more than 5 million users. And where is your next market? Are you guys going to grow and expand internationally? or We are uh, thinking of launching the U.S. actually. But we know that we need to be extremely prepared with a perfect product, perfect stories, and a big chunk of, of budget. <laughs> Do you find that consumers in different markets, you say the U.S. needs, a, you would have to have a perfect product. Do you think Americans are fussier about products than other markets? Americans are more familiar to technology in general, like uh, to novelty, to apps, to completely different things. I always found doing business with Americans was easier because they're always looking for the new thing. They're excited about discovering new things that nobody has talked about before. I found that in Europe, in general, like people are a little bit more skeptical about novelty. There, it's changing, but I found that Americans are much more willing to accept new things. And for that reason, I think they're less lenient as well with bad products or bad ideas because they have so many ideas and they're in contact with it so much more than we are that, uh, yes, I think having it's less than fussier it's probably that just more educated around this new technology and, and startups in general and that they will be a bit more strict or at least they will be a little bit less uh forgiven so you mentioned that you met the founders in 2015 what what had you been working on before that so before that i was working on uh happen 
So Happen is a dating app as well. And uh, I was in charge of the marketing as well for them. And I grow all Latin American countries. So it's Spanish speaking countries. So I did all the marketing for those markets. I've launched the country. So it was more of a launch, launching markets rather than anything um, more than business developments. Was that also sort of random that you got hooked up with Happen or did you always want to work for uh, dating? <laughs> no, it just it was just random. Like I was looking for a job in a mobile app. Like that's why I wanted. I remember that at the time in 2013, 2014, when I started, I wanted to work for a mobile app because I thought that was the future. I thought that websites is great, but mobile is better. <laughs> and everything, if you look at the traffic in general on mobile is uh, higher now than it is on websites for most companies and I thought that I wanted to get into this because it was just something that I was really interested in and I thought it was mainly the future it just been a coincidence that it was a dating app but then once you enter the industry you realize how competitive it is and how many actors are trying to get something out of it and I think I've been really really lucky that I've been in two really successful companies because happened today is huge and once, obviously, now it's doing really well, too. And I'm really excited that I'm working for apps that have made it rather than apps that just had to not. We like to ask everybody, how do you define success personally and professionally? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> how do I define success? I think that a lot of people see success as what, what is public, what you see a, a company growing, uh, people talking about it advertising on the streets, uh, global expansion. But I've realized that uh, that is like an indicator of success. But I don't think it's success. I, th I think success is building a healthy business rather than, you know, a show off business. And I think a lot of startups are looking at other startup success as what I said before, which is advertising or global expansion or raising money. But that doesn't define whatever the company is doing well. What defines if it's doing well, if their business is healthy, if they are profitable. And uh, I think that's the thing where startups need to focus now. For a long time, I think VCs have invested in companies that were showing growth. And now they're a little bit thinking more about whatever they're making revenues or if they're going to be profitable in the long term. And this is why everything is becoming more complicated because you want to be a healthy business, right? So to me, I would say that success is the idea of building a healthy business that is profitable, where you can grow and continue hiring without being jeopardized because you don't have money anymore, rather than showing growth on the, and showing off that you're huge and doing well. And what about personally for you? I think that when life gives you lemon, you need to make lemonade. And uh, that's what I've been doing so far. Like most of my professional career has been from people that I've met randomly or opportunities. And I just decided that I would, you know, why not? And I'm going to try this. I think that for me, I think success has to be something a bit scary and you need to go anyways. You need to not overthink it and do it because if you think it too much, you're never going to do it. And then you're going to realize that you are going to make it well. And uh, even though at the beginning you didn't thought that it would go so well, it just ends up going well. I mean, when I started at once, like we didn't realize how much work it would be. We didn't realize that we were just like so excited about the idea. We were so excited about making it and 
doing all these different things. And now when I think about it, I was like, oh my God, I was crazy to think uh, I could do it. And yes, I did it, but it has been so much work. And I think that I want to keep that mindset. I want to say, you know, uh, it's hard, it's scary, but I'm not going to think it too much because otherwise I'm just never going to make it. And yeah, so for me, that's how I see uh, success. It's really about, you know, not really doing it and put all the work and see your dreams come true. Well, thank you, Eva, for joining us. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of the Radical Departures podcast. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter and join us next time on Radical Departures.